0: It's good to see you all here today. Good to see you too. too. Well, where do you think we're going to go today? It's easy, isn't it? In the Bible. (laughs) You were trying to figure out where in the Bible, weren't you? Yeah. Well, let's take your Bibles and uh, let's turn to... That is actually a pretty good guess, but not today. We're going to go to 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. We've got a couple of verses. We're looking at praying for the right stuff. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 11 and 12. Actually, maybe we'll do that a little differently. That's what we're going to focus on today. Let's just read chapter 1. We'll just begin at verse 1 and read through the first chapter. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning now at verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your tr- persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you is believed in that day, wherefore, also, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. And let's just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. <coughs> Father God, we're here now with you in our midst surrounding the Word, looking to you for wisdom, for strength, for encouragement in a world that is so devoid of you, Father. Even though you're here, we would ask, Father, that the Word now would raise us up, enhance us from the inside. May the power that is literally within us, because of the Holy Spirit that indwells us, those that have trusted Christ as Savior. Father, we would ask that these moments would be yours to take us to a level that would be our desire, because we want to be more like Jesus Christ. That is your purpose, literally to make us more and more like our Savior. Father, we would ask that you would be with each one that has come out this afternoon, that you would bless them, their families. You know their situations. You know the the challenges. That they face. Father, you were above that. You were beyond it. You were fully, completely in charge and in control. We would ask, Father, too, that our teacher today would be exclusively the Holy Spirit. We lean on you and on the Word as we partake of the Word, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his fullest way with us as we yield to him. Thank you, Father, now for these moments. Guide us, direct us, take us where you want us as we learn about you more. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Those last two verses that we just uh, read in uh, for, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm, I'm not sure where we're going to go. It just seems like the one thing that continues to come across my mind is prayer. Um, as we are, I think as a world, I was going to say again, our nation, the things that have changed in the last couple of years are actually beyond anything we probably could imagine. It's pretty wild what's taking place. It's its its out there. It's way out there. And one of the things that it seems like, particularly for uh, the New Testament saints, and Paul was very, very big on it, It in, in, in numbers of places, and he even says here, that he prayed unceasingly. He was praying all the time. And we as Christians, those that have trusted Christ as Savior, literally, we have an inside, how should I say it? An inside power that the more we rely on it, the more that prayer is given from us unceasingly, the more fuel, the more energy, the more encouragement, the more that we actually are able to withstand the powers that are outside of us. God, God is in control. God is in control. And we look at all of the, the evil and all of the things that are taking across this world right now. There's a day coming. And it's been planned and it's going to happen. It is going to happen. There's the day of the Lord. We did even talk about that. Uh, here in the next number of weeks, but it seems like for right now in the next number of weeks, subject to change, but it seems like we need to discuss and to really elevate the level for ourselves as a body here and also individually, grabbing a new rung on the ladder of prayer. Prayer is so vital to your health. It's so vital for you to line up with what God's plan is. It doesn't, your, your prayer, well, we'll get into that in a moment, but in this section right now, this is what we would call it. You've had, you remember book reports? You're supposed to read a book and then report it, and uh, mine were rather brief. Um, it wasn't one of my favorite things to do. It was I just didn't, you know, right, I mean, I read it, and I. what do we want to tell you about it, right? Well, read it yourself. That didn't go over well, though, with the teachers, of course, but um, uh, uh, this is a prayer report, Literally, Paul, he's not praying, verses 11 and 12. It's not a prayer, but it's literally Paul exposing to these Thessalonians. This is the second letter, and they were, maybe we should just brief that for a second. The, the believers in Thessalonica were new believers. They were fresh, right off of the truck, if you will, of being saved. And they were very concerned about the fact that there were those of, of their own faith, the, those that were saved, that were, were passing away, that were dying, and they were concerned that they thought Jesus Christ would come back before any of that would happen. That was, that was part of, of where they were at. They were very, very in tune with Jesus coming back. And interesting, each generation, after Jesus Christ left the earth, literally, they have been looking for his return. Now, there's those today, as we are in 2021, that, Oh, yeah, that goes on, and he's not coming back anymore. We'll talk about that maybe in 2 Peter. No, the plan is in place. God is not slow. God is not slow. Let me say that God is not slow. Now, sometimes in our lives, it would seem like he's really running late. We've got some problems, some challenges, and no, he's always on time. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says that Jesus Christ came at exactly the right time. Exactly the right time. The first time, he will come exactly the right time the second time. That catching away in the rapture, I was actually planning to go there in First Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. Somehow my mind was drifted off again and here we are in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. That first letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians was the fact that he wanted to assure them they hadn't missed anything. They hadn't missed anything. They were in it to the end. In fact, uh, as it, where is that at? In 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body. If, if you pass away, you as a Christian are immediately in the presence of the Lord. That's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, that's fantastic. You, you think of all the things going on around our world today, and you're safe in Jesus if you've trusted him as Savior. I can't think of anything better than that. The whole world can fly apart. Those mountains can move. They can fall into the sea. And you know what? God is still God. And we're safe in the arms of Jesus. We're not going anywhere but to be closer to Him. I'm, getting, I'm really ready, too. By the way. I'm ready. I'm ready. But that's really what the gist of the Thessalonians uh, in his writings to them was to, to literally cheer them on and keep them on the right track in the essence we're still here. You're here today in this room. There are others around the world that have trusted Christ as said, you're here for a reason. God has not taken you home because He wants you to be busy and to be worthy of a walk. Remember we talked about that in Ephesians chapter 4? To walk worthy. That word we find again here today. It wasn't by choice, and here it is again, that word worthy. It's interesting that Paul uses it uh, again here today. So one of the things that he wants to be clear, and he's not even necessarily making it clear, but he's praying for the Thessalonians. And he's literally, I'm going to say this, he's praying for the right stuff. There's a lot of prayers that are offered to God today that really aren't the right stuff. We pray a lot about stuff. I mean, little stuff. And now, does God care about you and your life? Yeah, he does, but, it, but that's not the focus for him. It's not. It, really, these three things, there's three things that, that, that Paul is praying for that are really the right stuff. We'll be talking about those in a moment. But as we think about that, a lot of times our prayers are surrounding our job, our monthly bills, money. Now, does God care? Of course He does. Of course, he does. But if that's your single focus, when you get done praying and that's all you've prayed about, that's not worthy. That's not where he wants you. So let's take a step back. What does God want of us? What does he really want of us? Does he want us to be rich? Well, there's not a lot of answering going on right now, right? (laughs) Is there anything wrong with being rich? No, but there's not very many people that can handle it and still have God as number one. Isn't it amazing? I, know, I, know, I don't know a lot of rich people, but I know a number of them. And it's amazing. That is their God.
1: Yes.
0: That is their God. And would you want that to happen? Of course not. In fact, I'm sure that God has saved me from being rich so that I make sure that God is in charge and he is God. <laughs> yeah. And It's amazing. You look at the people, if you don't believe me. Think of those that have uh, won whatever that means, won the lottery. Literally 10 years later, their lives are just a complete disaster. Disaster. That's what happens many times. Oftentimes, the things we pray for, God, in His wisdom and His mercy, don't give it to us because it would ruin our lives. Isn't it true? Absolutely, it's true. So, praying for the right stuff. We'll pray for health and happiness and success. I mean, most is that not true? If I was going to write that on the board, health, happiness, and success. If you pray, if you if you analyze, take a step back and say, what did I pray for today? Did it fit under one of those three categories? That's very short-sighted. You know, God is not necessarily impressed with just your comfort because what did we find out? How do you grow? How do you mature? How do you learn to endure? Through trials. Trials. So all of those things make us more like Jesus Christ. It allows us to become more usable. By You know what happens? We see how much more important God is in our lives. It's amazing how small, literally, we are sometimes and how we look at things. We want them to fix problems. Now, again, I, I don't want to minimize that. Um, I've got some <clears> problems that are developed, and you have too, in the last week or ten days or whatever it might be. And they seem insurmountable. Is God interest? Of course he is. But through those, he wants you to grow up more. That's the part we sometimes miss. How can I grow through this problem? No, what we want is we want us to be taken out of the problem. There's that, one of my, my, one of my dad's favorite songs was uh, Through the... Actually, it's in our hymnal, I can't think of it. Uh, I think it's like, somebody, somebody have a hymn book? I think it's like 501. He really learned... To, i got to see that because it's really quite good. We want to be taken out of the storm, and uh, he's usually God, that being, that he likes to take us through till the storm passes by. It's one of my. It was one of my dad's favorite songs, and I, I think I was the one that actually learned to play it. and I and I played it or sung it in church once, and he just absolutely loved that song. And one of the things is, you know what? No matter how dark it is, no matter how deep, how intense the storm is, God is right with you, and He's taking you through it. What are the, the words of that song? Maybe not you just read the words. Of that? Okay, let me see. What, was it five hundred one again? It was. It was truly one of his favorites. Uh, toward the. Uh, Okay, here we go. I'll get there sooner or later, maybe. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face, while the storms howl above me, and there's no hiding place. Mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Verse 2, many times Satan whispered, there is no use to try. For there's no end of sorrow, there's no hope by and by, but I know thou art with me. Tomorrow I'll rise, where the storms never darken the skies. When the long night has ended and the storms come to war, let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore. In that land where the tempest never comes, Lord, may I dwell with thee when the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe. To the storm. It's more powerful than I thought it was.
1: Yeah.
0: Isn't that it? That's where God wants us to be because that's where we grow the most. And we want to be... T- <laughs> if you're like me... Uh, Take me out of this storm right now. I've got a storm that I'm in right now that is gigantic, enormous. I can't even tell you about it. It's over the top. It's beyond anything I can imagine in any way, shape, or form. And you know what? Still, God is there with us. I don't know what his purpose is. I don't know. I don't get any of it, but I'm in the middle of it. And just as that verse just read to me, there's coming a day, the storm will pass by. I love the scripture when it says it came to pass and it did not come to stay. <laughs> yeah, like it came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. So, how do we pray? What are we praying for? Are we praying for the right stuff? How do you pray? What are you praying for? Those are internal questions. You need to answer them as such. Yeah, go ahead, Ernie.
1: I like to pray that I, He would align my will with His.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Amen. And that's exactly that is exactly what prayer is about. You know, you think about the sense of God's sovereignty. God is fully in control. We've said that numerous times, even today. God is not, he's not worried, he's not concerned about where this thing is going. Does it seem out of control to you? Yeah, it does in a lot of ways. It seems like evil is rampant and the lack of truth and there's a there's a famine in the land, literally, of the Word of God. Those are true true statements. God is no less in control. His timetable is moving on, but at the same time, does that mean we shouldn't pray? If God is fully and sovereignly in control, he's going to do what he's going to do, so why should I pray? There are those that would believe that. What's the point? We'll we'll talk about that. We're going to show some examples of that in a moment. Praying is really getting us ready for God. It's leaning on God. It's allowing us to see intimately within the very context of where God's working from. And today, I want to be as close to God as possible in a world that has gone crazy. Don't you want to be close to God? Praying is aligning. lining, as, as Ernie said, lining us up for where God is going. I want to know where God's going. I want to know what's important to Him. I want to know what's the most important thing on God's mind. I, and, of course, the Scriptures are important to that as well. What's so, encouraging to me is
1: one of those disciples were on that ship, they were in the middle of the storm, and they had to go down in the bottom to get Jesus. He was sleeping. <laughs> If you wake up, we're, we're going to die, and he says, "Oh, uh, ye of little face." <laughs> exactly. Something like that. That was exactly what he said. And, no, uh, exactly. You know, he rode through that storm with them. That's right. He didn't. Yeah, he called the seas, but the point is, is he's always there with you. He's always there. Uh,
0: In fact, that's that that song that I just wrote the word that I read the words to, fits that example exactly. I mean, they're they're just. I mean, they're <laughs> frenzied, right? Jesus is literally sleeping, and they could be, because with him, they're safe. They're safe. They're safe. Sometimes we pray for the wrong stuff, and there's sometimes we pray for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Isn't that true? Um, let's go to James for a moment. I'll see if I can find what I'm looking for. I, I kind of remember where, I, where it is, but... Um, Yeah, and in James chapter four, even uh, he, this is asking, but asking amiss for the wrong reasons. James chapter four, verse three: You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss or with the wrong re- the wrong reason that you may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes there are prayers for the wrong reasons. And Jesus, remember him. Uh, he's talked about not having. You know, don't. Don't worry about what you're the eating and drinking and all of that. He says, no, 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 no. Be concerned about seeking the kingdom of heaven. Be concerned about the things that are really, really important. So the two things that Paul is literally laying out for us in verses 11 and 12 are praying for the right stuff and for the right reasons. We probably uh, will not get too far into verse 12, but that's, verse 12 is the right reason. Verse 11 is the right stuff. As I've asked before, sometimes we we have we have good intentions, uh, but they're rather short sighted. Um, sometimes it's amazing how we get so tied up in in just health. Okay, uh, J- Jesus and God are so much bigger than what's happening in the next month, sixty days, a year, two years, the rest of your life. We have eternity in front of us, right? So, can we really ever really be outside of? Him? Of course not. If, you're, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, whatever happens, he will use to bring you closer to himself. Well, those three, three requests we find in verse 11. We'll go through them rather quickly, and then we'll keep moving on. Uh, verse 11, there's three requests. Let's read verse 11 once again. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, Wherefore? And, and by the way, those previous verses are talking about that time coming, the day of the Lord where the tribulation period, and Jesus Christ will come back and he will mete out literally destruction and punishment for what has taken place. Now, these people today that are, that are through various means of evil being rampant in our world, there is a day coming that they will pay for that. That's one of the things that I've, I'm challenged with myself is the lack of justice for those that are really against the laws of this land and against God's laws. That's one thing that's really, really bothersome in the fact of how rampant it is without any sense of justice. Oh, no, mark this carefully. No, the day is coming that that does happen. God is in control, and he will mete out justice. You will reap what you sow. That is a rule that is, will not be broken, but it takes time for the harvest to come in. If you've got someone in your life that has literally just done things that are unspeakable, you can be sure that leave them to God. You just keep working, pushing, staying course with what these three things that Paul is asking. Verse 11 now, it talks about, Wherefore, because God is coming back, He is taking place, place, will take care of what needs to be done. He said, We pray always for you. We'll come back to that in a moment. That our God... That would not only be Paul and, and, uh, Sil- and Timotheus, but also the Thessalonians. Our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Those three things, those requests that he's praying for is that you are worthy, your worthiness of the calling, your fulfillment and your work or your service with power. And you say, oh, man, uh, what is that? that that's it. That's a lot. That's a lot. That literally is praying for the right stuff. We'll come back to that in a little bit. A little bit. Now, you know, it's interesting that our world is really literally full of a lot of fools that take a long time to learn the right stuff, and then there's those that don't even learn that through the whole life. Isn't it true? It's absolutely true. Who's the fir- what would be the first, what's the quickest way to be analyzed as a fool, according to the Scripture?
1: Open your mouth.
0: No yeah. And even before you open it, there's even it even tells us, so, there is there's no, God. Yeah. no God. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That's the quickest way to foolhardiness that I can think of. Just believe there is no God. And I don't know how you get to that level, personally. I really don't know how you can take a look at everything around us and say there is no God. On what, what, How can you get to that level? How do you get there? By not wanting one. That's really behind it. You cannot come up with any other. So If you take evolution and you break that down, and I mean literally, it breaks down from the very outset. It makes no sense on any level because it leaves design completely out. Without design, there is nothing that makes any sense here. If you have design, you have an intelligent being. And that's God. They don't want to be exactly. When you don't want a God, that's why. Because as soon as we're accountable, that's why literally, that's why we don't want any truth in the world today. That's why we want no truth in the United States of America. Because if you have truth, there's fixed points of which you can adhere law to. Today, you just God. make it up.
1: They want to be God.
0: Exactly. I well, want to be God. Well, think about that for a moment. Genesis chapter three. What did Eve trade in for that morning? she was walking in the garden with God and her husband, the day before in the afternoon. What do you think that would be like? Hey, Adam, honey, let's don't don't forget. I, they weren't even on that time basis. I'm sure they weren't. Oh, we better hurry up. I don't think there was no hurrying. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up. Do you see him ever? Oh, let's hurry. No, there's no hurry. I don't see God ever getting in a hurry. Have you noticed that? Who gets in a hurry? We do. We do. And so, and the next day she traded in that God for herself. Isn't that something? And here we are. We're the recipients of that today. Our world is completely enamored with self, completely enamored with the fact that we've made ourselves God. How do we spend our time? What are we gaining? Go back over your week, your month, the years. What have you spent your time on? Have you spent it in this case of being worthy? What is worthy? What does that look like? That God would count you worthy of this calling. What calling? The fact of being saved. You're you're tasting something. You are saved. You are out of the power of sin. And you need to walk worthy of that. Now, it's interesting if you you go back to, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 1, which talks about a lot of where we are as a nation. Romans chapter 1, but I'm going to just go to verse 32. Romans chapter 1, verse 32. He describes for us at the end of this chapter 1, which describes human nature to a T, I would have to say, that he then, the last verse, watch carefully as we see the worthy word, and it describes for those that, without Christ, where they are. Who knowing, verse 32, chapter 1 of Romans, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's where we're at as a nation. It's not only doing wrong, it's not only enjoying wrong, it's trying to get somebody else to do wrong. And it says very clearly that those are worthy of death. Uh, If you don't have Christ, if you've not trusted him as Savior, you're on a death road. There's no way around it. There's nothing you can bring to it. There's nothing you can change. There's nothing that you can make any different. That's, a, that's the worthy that we literally are. What you've earned. That's what you've earned, yeah. For the wages of sin is death. death. And we are worthy of that. I'm thinking of, that's not something I want to be worthy of. Right? We've earned it. To be, and to think of it, again, if you just, since, since Adam and Eve made those wrong choices, since that day, that moment in time, literally every single person, According to Romans chapter 5 verse 12 Is that we are worthy of death That's what we're worthy of And yet Paul is saying That he wants us to be worthy of our calling I'd like to go back to the resource That Paul is laying this out Now it's not that Paul has got a new program for them Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians for a moment 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 He's I would think of that And he would know more about programs More about stuff Because this guy had studied under a lot of Gamaliel Exactly. Incidentally, He was very trained, very versed. He would have known a lot of stuff and a lot of people. And it's, it's interesting that he didn't have a program here. He didn't have a new uh, committee set up to help them become worthy. He literally goes to the resource that he always did. And that was where? He went to God. He said, we pray always for you, unceasingly, to God. His resource was prayer. He prayed for them. He prayed unceasingly. And he prayed with a purpose with a purpose. Specific. There were at least three things that were very specific that they would walk worthy. Are you walking worthy today? Let's go to Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. This is really what the, the the church unfolded. Its beginnings, it lays out very clearly for us what the leaders, those elders, those apostles, the disciples that their job was. Acts chapter 6 verse 4. In fact verse 3 would say this, that there was, In fact, let's just start in verse 1. There was, they, were, they were choosing more people to do the work that was coming up. The chapter, as the church was growing, there was more and more needs. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. All right? there, was, there, was just, there was things that were being neglected. There were things that weren't being done. Then the 12, verse 2, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. They're saying, we need to continue to do what's important to the, to the assembly. We need to do what's important that God would have laid out for us. Wherefore, verse 3, brethren, look you among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But watch verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It's interesting who that what they said first. We're going to continue, continually commit ourselves to prayer. How important is that? I can't I can't speak highly enough of it, especially in days like this. That was the intention. They were to pray for. Sanctification for maturity, for the growth of the people that flock to grow, and then to teach the word of God. Paul spent a great deal of his energy in doing that very thing. He would not only he would not only teach, and we know we look at these letters that he wrote to these various churches and how applicable they are to us today. It's amazing how those things written all of those years ago literally fit us to a T today. But the one thing that sometimes is not as maybe we don't look at it clearly enough, is the fact that he prayed all the time. Again, I want to say, we pray always for you, the Thessalonians. That was who he was. That's who he was. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel, chapter 12. First Samuel, chapter 12, and let's take a look at something here. First Samuel, chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter twelve, and let's take a look at. Uh, let's see where we want to stand in this. Uh, I think we're. Uh, let's just start. Let's just start at verse nineteen. Let's just say that the, the people of the land were actually. If if you had if you had a, a, a a ledger, and you had kind of the sin side and the righteousness side. They were really accumulating stuff on the sin side. It was it was just like just multiplying stuff. Verse nineteen. All the people said unto him, "Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not, for we have added unto all of our sins this evil to ask us a king." Now, let me that verse helps us to just kind of bring things to speak. Okay, so what they had asked is is first of all they were they were not following god they were following their, own, their themselves and they were starting to look around and all of the other nations that were around the area had their own personal king they thought well that'd be pretty cool it would be a king we can see a king that we can elect a king that we can literally be part of and he you know he'll just he'll just be there and we can it'll be great everybody else has got a king how many times have you done something because someone else had done it it's a fair question isn't it they, and the Israelites said, we want a king. And then Samuel had pointed out, wait, whoa, do you know what you just did? Do you know what you've just done? You've just literally pushed God out for someone that would be like a king. Are you kidding me? And then they, they figured it out. They said, whoa, that was horrid what we just did. So would you, Samuel, would you pray for us? I mean, I think we're doomed. Uh, this is another sin. It's the last one. This is probably going to get it. And think about it. Wouldn't God say, that's it. That's enough. They want, now, they want, now they want a king, and I've been their leader for all of these years. How does Samuel respond? Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you have done all of this wickedness. It's true what you've done, you've done. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord... But serve the Lord with all your heart and turn you not aside, for then should you go after vain things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. He's saying something that's pretty cool. He says, even though you've sinned, even though you've done wickedly, and you know it now, God's plan will continue forward. But here's the deal. Start obeying this very second. I say the same thing to America. Start doing it right now. God is so, he's just so freeing and forgiveness and giving, and, and, and his mercy endureth forever, as it says in the scriptures. But look at this Samuel said that. No, God has a plan, and he will not throw you away, but serve him now. Look at verse 23. Moreover, as for me, Samuel's talking about himself. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right Did you see that? Did you see leadership in Israel? Did I just talked in Acts chapter 6 verse 4? Leadership of the church. Guess what? It's the same thing. Praying and teaching. How important is it? It's huge. Samuel was actually saw it as if he would not pray for them, that he would literally be sinning lining up his heart with the purposes of God. Now, it's interesting to see how obedience and prayer and sovereignty all blend together. Let's put those on a board. Uh, Obedience, praying, and sovereignty. Did I spell sovereignty right? I got close, didn't I? Close enough. And we talked just momentarily ago that uh, if God is sovereign, so does it really matter if we pray? Did you see how important it was to Samuel? Even though God had said, these are my people, they will be, he continued to pray for them. See, that's for us. Praying does not and cannot. Let me just, let me say it another way. God's sovereign. He cannot remove our responsibility for praying. Can't happen. If it is, we've missed the point. (laughs) Obedience. If you fail to obey the calling, which we talked about in Second Thessalonians, that calling of salvation. If we refuse to obey, then we're not saved. Even though God is sovereign, you see there. And I, I can't explain all three of them. That's a, that's a concept that's above my pay grade. This is a God thing, based in His eternal, internalness. I just say it that way. But it doesn't dismiss. Obedience and praying are not dismissed because God is in charge. That's really, really important. And I I can. Yes.
1: What kind of a relationship can you have with somebody if you don't talk to them? And so you. What kind of a relationship can you have with God if you never talk to him? That's right.
0: That's right. And it's for our benefit. Yeah. Right. It's For our benefit. All of those things go together. Or, or what kind of relationship is it in the sense of value? If, Well, I, I know what God told me, but I'm not going to do it anyway. Really? <laughs> Expect some problems. That's what happened in the book of Judges. That's what happened to those Israelites when they chose not to obey God. If you think of the fact, that, you know, in Romans chapter 9, we'll not go there, you can write it down in your notes. It talks about the fact that um, God has, in his sovereignty, can choose who he, whom he chooses. I chose to love Jacob and to hate, or to dismiss Esau. Was Jacob more worthy than Esau? No, no. In fact, that's the thing we talk about when you think of Jesus Christ. He literally makes us the unworthy ones worthy. Uh, we sang a song today purposely in, in your choruses about what was that? Remember, you guys, remember that? Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, speaking of Jesus Christ. His worthiness allows us to be worthy. Without him, there's no chance. Worthiness. I think of... um, Let's go to Romans. Let's let's actually go to Romans for a moment. Chapter 9 is all about God's sovereign right to choose whom he may choose. And then it's interesting to say, in verse 10, the first verse, Paul writes this, in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And he just told us in chapter 9 that not Israel will all be saved. There's actually quite a few of them, that won't be, but there'll be a remnant. remnants. But he's saying, you know what, I'm going to pray my heart's desire that, literally, that they are. And if he's going to leave God's part to God and his part to him look at even the lord Jesus Christ let's go to luke chapter twenty two luke chapter twenty two remember this event this was at the at the lord's Supper the time just hours before that he would be betrayed and he said something to peter i'm going to find the verse now uh, here we go verse thirty one luke chapter twenty two and verse thirty one the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He was about to attack him. But I have prayed for you that your faith shall fail not. And when thou art converted to return, strengthen thy brethren. Now, again, if you, if you look in, the, in the, what's not said, it was obvious that Jesus said that at the end, Peter, you're going to be okay. But what did Jesus do? Well, it'll just all work out in the end. Just leave it like that. Peter, you'll be fine. No, what did he do? This is really important. Jesus said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying for you, Peter, that you would return, that you would be restored, and then your brothers would be strengthened because of what they saw you go through. Isn't that interesting? Jesus knew exactly what would happen at the end, and yet he said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Do you see how important prayer is? Even Jesus, even knowing the end from the beginning, said, I will pray for you. And again, as we've said numerous times already today, prayer lines us up with the plan. Jesus even prayed in the garden. That's right. Take this from him. That's right. But,
1: but your will, not mine.
0: Exactly. And again, do you see the strength in lining it up, making it all fit? Wills matching wills? And not that Jesus was ever in question. But it's interesting to see even him speaking to the Father in prayer for uh, that's for our benefit. Watching that develop, and look at Romans. All right, I'm sorry. All the way back, go to the last page in your Bible in Revelation chapter twenty-two. And what what is the book of Revelation about? Who who was who was the one that penned the words? It was. And who, who penned the words? John. John. So John has been given a vision. He's been, he's, you talk about, that would have meant mind-blowing, right? He had to be on an island of Patmos by himself just trying to just take all of this in. Can you imagine all of the other pressures? And he's writing all of these things down. What would you have to say? There's a coming of time, and it, to him it was, again, it was generational. Each generation have felt, this will happen in my, in my lifetime. And what was that? Literally, Jesus Christ would come back. The second coming. It's going to happen. The eternal state would happen. No question. Did you Ask John. Do you think he would have doubted it? He said, well, Larry, what are you trying to do here? Just, just hang with me. John believed it. Absolutely he did. In fact, do we believe it? How many times? Let's see, let's see how John ended this, ended this letter. Verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. That's, what, that's literally Jesus' words. Surely I'm coming quickly. I'm coming surely. Amen. And then he says, even so come Lord Jesus, the g- grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. He's literally praying. Yes. Would you please come? You see that? And don't we do the same? Yes. That's okay. Now is God in control? Of course he is. Is the plan going to be changed? No. But are we to pray? Absolutely. Let God do his part. Let us do our part. Lining us up with the plan. Lining us up with the plan. Now, God's desire is literally to sanctify his people, and Paul is lining the Thessalonians up with that purpose. If I, what what is, what is God's purpose for you? Now, there may be some individual things on your journey, and each one of you, if, if I would just, you know, you just take your life for the next week, it would be very different from one another. I just look out there across, and, and in many ways, you're very, very different, but God has a A single purpose for each one of you. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, there's a purpose that he has. And what is that purpose? Become more more Christ-like. He wants every day for you to look just a little bit more like Jesus. That's literally his purpose. He wants you to be able to look just like Jesus. He wants you to be worthy, to be worthy of what's going on. Walking worthy. So are we walking worthy? No, I'm not trying to make anybody guilty here. But you know what? There's a level. Let's talk about worthiness for a second. Um, we looked at what prior to Jesus Christ, we're worthy of what? Death. Yeah, that's simple. There's no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not spicing it up. I'm not adding any flour. I'm just, there it is. It's, it's out there. Uh, the wages of sin is death and the, wage, the wages of sin is death. And we're all sinners. We're worthy of death. Jesus Christ in fact, while we're in Revelation, turn with me to a couple passages there. Uh, Revelation chapter 4. Let's go there for a moment. That was the one that we actually uh, had a chorus in regards to. Revelation chapter 4. And let's take a look at verse 11. Verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. Look at chapter 5, verse 2. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book. You know what? No man was found worthy to break the power of sin. But guess who was worthy to open the book? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who was worthy to break you from the power of sin? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's worthy. He is worthy. But now when you have, when Jesus Christ died and we switched sides of the ledger, our sin was placed on him and he bore our sin to give us his righteousness. That's amazing. Now Now you're worthy. You went from unworthiness to worthy because he was worthy. And now because of that, positionally, this is, this is very important. First of all, you're worthy of death. You come to Christ and you are all of a sudden from unworthy for life. You are worthy positionally. You are now placed positionally that you are worthy. Paul's prayer is, is that you would practically become more worthy every single day that goes by. That's called sanctification. We should become more worthy because of the worth that we have become, literally, positionally, the Holy Spirit lives within you. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, as you partake of the Word, as that Word is taken through and the Spirit grows you as you yield to Him, you become even more worthy. That's literally another way of seeing our sense of sanctification. Take yourself, I don't know how long you've been saved, but let's say you've been saved five years. Your walk of sanctification, literally, the Holy Spirit working within you, you should be more walking more worthy. That's the way it should be. Now the the really cool part is is it's not really up to you. It's you yielding and obeying, and praying that God would have His will and His way with you. Even to the point that's this is true, but it's kind of hard to that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified, not in you. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's quite a and that's walking worthy. That and that is quite a thing, isn't it? But the power comes not from ourselves; it comes from within. Let's take a look at. I think this is really interesting. uh, You all know the 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 sequence of the prodigal son, right? Right. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Let's
0: turn to Luke for a moment. Let's go back to Luke, chapter fifteen. I believe we'll find it. Luke chapter fifteen. Oh, before you do that, look at this. Here's, here's a man that should we think would be capable. As you're turning to Luke, just go back a little bit further and go to Matthew. Matthew chapter three, verse eleven. Matthew three eleven. Watch what this man says. It's amazing how that term "worthy" or "worth" keeps coming up in our minds. Matthew chapter three, in verse eleven. Who are we talking about? We have got John the Baptist. John the Baptist is he's been preaching and. In, the, in, in verse 1 and 2, we'll read those verses uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 3 in Matthew. Matthew 3, 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, you, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, down to verse 11, he's speaking here again. He says, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Do you, do you see, now this is John the Baptist. This isn't some loser. This is the guy that was literally chosen by God before anything else was made, that he would be the forerunner. He would be the one to literally set up the people for Jesus. And he says, you know what? I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. Isn't that amazing? Exactly. But now Paul is saying that you would, uh, you would be worthy of the calling. The worthy that of what you're being called to now back to luke 15 here's this young man this one that uh he has went out and chased the world he's taken his money that was given to him his inheritance and completely blown it you guys know the, the the story as it unfolded now i want you to see his picture when he finally comes to his senses and that's that's in verse 17 now what's he doing right now what what is this young man doing What's what, what's happened to him? He's lost all his money. He's lost, it's amazing how when you lose money, you lose the friends. Have you noticed that in the world? Uh, no money, no friends. Friends, there must be money, right? That's how it works. Okay, that, they follow one, they follow each other. Well, here we go, and we have uh, this young man. That he's what is he doing? What's his job now? Yeah, he's feeding the pigs. Okay. In fact, we find that in verse uh, 16. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. He's in a desperate way. He is truly at a level that adversity would have taken him that there probably isn't much things lower. And watch verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, stop. You know what's wrong with America? We haven't come to ourselves. We haven't come to ourselves. This nation does not know we need God. Isn't that true? See that prodigal son until I have that underlined in my bible. That's one of the key points in all of the prodigal son is he came to himself. That means he finally told the truth. He finally accepted the truth. America needs to speak the truth. We need God. Amen. And the longer we deny it, the more messed up it becomes. Which is amazing to me. How could you be more messed up next week than this week? I'll tell you right now. Because we're serving and walking after ourselves. It will be more messed up next week. I can guarantee you that. We must come to ourselves and say, we need God. And this young man, i am tell you what, that's, a, that's the turning point in this whole thing. I have an underline What You don't need to underline yours. But to me, that is the crux right there. He's feeding the pigs. It doesn't get much lower. Could you make America any more messed up right now? Yes, as long as we continue to do this, it will get worse. But the day we wake up and say, we need God is the day. This, just like the prodigal son. We're the prodigal nation, quite honestly, aren't we? To be blessed as God blessed us. Am I too loud? Sorry. He says this, he came to himself and he said, verse 17, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? He's starting to wake up. He says, you know, back home, Wait a minute, right? Right? Yeah, where I used to be, exactly. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him. Now, he's, he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his father. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, that's good, and before you. That's absolutely true. And in verse 19, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. That's the place you get saved. That's where it's at. When you understand and analyze exactly where you are, you're worthy of death. He says, I'm not even worthy to be called your son, even though I am. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose, verse 20, came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father and the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, with a ring on his feet, on his hand, and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill. let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and his Alive again, he was lost and is found, and he began to be married. Isn't that fantastic? That would have never happened if he had not come to himself. See, this part of obedience, I'm thinking he did a little praying too, right? <laughs> I think that young man did some praying. It's hard to realize, just at that time, I'm sure he realized that even, he didn't know what the consequences were, but he realized that. Whatever God it does. is. No, I'm, I'm better off. I'm better off at home. I'm better off. In fact, it reminds me somewhat of the way David would have saw God. Remember, David said mightily, he he was going to count the people. There was a census, and he was given choices. I don't even remember them all, but there was like three of them. What? Do you guys? Does anybody remember? One was. Uh, I'm not going to say. Okay. Well, look, you know what? That's that's a good homework for all of us. If I'll look it up, but one of them was really literally be placed in the hands of God, and that's where he wanted to be. I'll tell you what, there is no better place to be no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the po- s- p- potential consequences are. I want to be in the hands of my God. That's where I want to be. That's what that son came to the realization. I, don't, I mean, I'll be a hired servant. I'll be nothing. Anything is better as long as I'm home. Isn't that great? That's what we need to be in that frame of mind with God. And that, you know how we get there is praying and obedience. There's no safer place for us to be than right there.
1: Absolutely. Jeez, is that being right there? Right there.
0: Being right there. Right and there. It,
1: you know, it's, it's reading between the lines a little bit, but look at what happened with the father. The father came and gave him this huge hug and kissed his neck, and he, the son probably smelled so bad at that point in time he couldn't even stand himself. Yeah. And yet the father just hugged him and kissed him and said, Welcome home.
0: That's right. And you think about, you think about what our Heavenly Father has done through Jesus Christ to send Jesus Christ to die a death on a cross at the hands of the one that He literally created. What kind of a stench? What kind of a smell was that? And yet God loved it. See, love goes beyond smell. Love goes beyond all of these 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 hindrances, all of these nuances that literally are detracting, and they are over the top, almost obsessive, and
1: getting—that's
0: not the right word—offensive. Um, and yet God looks right through it, just as that father would have hugged that young man. He said, you're my son. My son has returned. It's just like Adam and Eve when they sinned, and then for Jesus Christ to have died that death, and he rose from the dead to prove that it was done. And that beginning of the church at Pentecost, what a, just think of that sweet aroma that must have been there on that day. Oh, my goodness. Are you starting to get it now? And see, Paul is saying, I want you Thessalonians to walk worthy you to walk worthy of what you're called to because now you're better than that you know this guy that's in the hogs all of a sudden he's not in the hogs anymore and he's better than that he's he's a son again i don't know if i'm is this okay i mean i'm I'm kind of loud but it just seems like we need to make these emphasis we need to step it up (laughs) Right? right be everything that god wants and gives us to be the power comes from him I want to show you something too. This is this this passage we're going to go to next is actually um, it, how how valuable prayer can be in the sense of just moving. God wants to hear from us. That relationship, which actually Ernie was telling us about, let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter thirty-eight. I think I'm right. I hope I'm right. Isaiah thirty-eight. If I'm not, I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, there we go. Isaiah thirty-eight. Verse one. In those days, are you Isaiah chapter thirty-eight and verse one? In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, "Now here's here's the message thus saith the Lord: Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live." And then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Now wait a minute. That's really, really if you get this picture. Here's, here's Isaiah. Now Hezekiah is really, really sick. Okay, and all of a sudden, through the door, here comes here comes Mr. Isaiah, right? And Isaiah comes up and he said, Hezekiah, uh, why don't you get your house in order? Because you're going to die. Have a good day. And it was just like that. Okay, I'm not. That's that's what it says, right? There's no beating around the bush. It's just like, hey, get your house in order because you're you're going to die. And it says that Hezekiah prayed to the Lord and said. Verse 3, And remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord Isaiah, saying, which I have a feeling he's still in the courtyard. He's he's, he's ambling towards home. And go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. And he goes on to talk about it. Do you, do you, now, any of you today that are sitting in this room that do not realize the power of prayer, you need to read that chapter again. Now, did God's plan change ultimately? Of course not. In fact, he used Hezekiah for 15 more years. What if Hezekiah had not prayed? This is obvious. He would have died. I'm I'm serious. Is is that not true? I mean, it really is. Now, does praying change God's mind? If it fits his will, if it fits his plan, how how did Hezekiah, adding 15 more years to his life, how did that change God's plan? It didn't change it at all. 15 years less of Hezekiah's life, would that change God's plan? No, not at all. But Hezekiah, he reached out. He didn't call the doctor. He said, hey, what can you do for me? I got bad news. God said I'm going to die, but I bet you guys can work this out. Give me a couple more years, a couple more months. No, he went right to the master, just like Paul did. He said, I want you to walk worthy. Here's a committee. Here's a, here's a session I want you guys to attend because you guys will really get into this of walking. No, you go to God. You go to God. Do we go to God when we're really needing to go? We need to go to God all of the time, unceasingly. Pray always. That's something that I continually want to work at is no matter what, when that, when that, that blind side comes at you rather than, oh man, what, what am I going to do? Pray, pray. I, I think the one that's really cool to me is, um, um, I'm not going to get his name now. Oh, a real leader, 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 Nehemiah, Nehemiah. He's got his job, right? He's in the King's court and he's a cupbearer. And here comes this, here comes this, I'm going to say a report on what's going back in Israel. And he does these little bullet prayers. Do you guys do those bullet prayers? Like, you get, this, you get this guy talking to you or whatever it is, and it's like, whoa, this is terrible. This is God, help me. God, give me the words. Have you done that? Do it. If you don't do it, do it. Just those short little bullet prayers That puts you right in line with God. And you know what? He will fill your mind with what does need to be said. I've done it lots of times.
1: Yeah.
0: That is where he wants you to be. He wants you to be just right there to be fluid with his will. I find that remarkable. <laughs> Obedience. If you don't obey, you won't be, sat, you, you won't be sanctified prayer fits into the plan just as does obedience if you don't obey the gospel you won't be saved see we went to Romans chapter 1 verse 32 we did that the other two things which we'll look at briefly and then I think we'll leave uh, some of that for next week but let's go back to 2 Thessalonians we've talked about worthiness that really are worth Becomes through Jesus Christ and then practically we become more worthy as we yield and pray in allowing God to work in our hearts. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and let's look back at verse 11 again. There's not only the sense of counting you worthy. Let's read verse 11 together. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. He wants you to be worthy. And then, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Fulfillment fulfilling in your life circumstances that would, would bring you even to a closer relationship to God almost like a holy longing if you will for him fulfillment and the last one is and the work of faith with power in other words your work or your service being magnified being done with God's power let's turn to Second uh, Peter chapter 3 2 Peter chapter 3 he asks you a good question Second Peter this is now by the way who's this guy? When did, when was second, who, who wrote second Peter? Well, the guy that wrote first Peter. Yeah, that's right. And who wrote first Peter? Peter. Peter. Well, well, you guys are just right on it. You're all over it, right? And Peter was, he was the guy that denied Jesus three times. He was the one that Jesus said, you know what, Satan is pray Satan is wanting to destroy you. He is asked to sift you as wheat. But you know what, he's not going to get that done. And even though I know he's not going to get that done, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. This is this Peter. Watch what he writes. In chapter 3 of 2 Peter, in fact, let's start um, verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God is timeless. He's not on a calendar. He's not on a watch. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. In other words, he's not slow. He's not slow. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. Now that is love theme all over. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Will come, not may come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heaven shall pass over a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation to God? Stop! Did you see? This is the question he's asking. If everything's going to burn up, and I'm not even sure how to put that exactly into, into a picture. I mean, it doesn't sound like this is easy. Okay? This is coming to a fiery end. And he asks the question, how should we live? Isn't that great? That's exactly what he says. And then he answers it. In all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. You know what? We're yearning for that to happen, literally. And in the meantime, we live righteously and holy within the power that he has given us. That's pretty wild. But look at verse 18. Verse 14, I'm sorry, there's another one. Verse 14, same chapter, just go down one more verse. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, that is in purity, and blameless. Verse 18. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory for both now and forever. That's becoming more worthy. Take a look at First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, 3. 1 John 3, 3. <clears throat> you see, when you have this hope in you, in fact, verse 2, will start. We'll, in fact, let's just start in verse 1. Boy, there's so much in 1 John, you can almost, you want to keep going back. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Stop. Now, is that not love? Coming back, that prodigal son. I mean, is that not amazing for this young man to come back? And he was literally restored to a son. Therefore, the world knoweth knoweth us not, knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we that we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he... You know what that means? You're becoming a little more worthy. As you focus upon what you're doing, when you're focusing... I'm sorry, when you're focusing upon what God did for you, when you understand where you were, where you are, and where you can be based on his power, it purifies you, that hope, knowing that you will be with him one day. Uh, In the sacrifice and dedication, literally, sometimes we want to lighten up. How many have accepted Christ because of heaven? I want. I want to go to heaven. I want to accept Christ. Oh, it's way bigger than that. There's way more stuff that comes with it. In fact, what did Jesus say? The world hates you because it hated me first. Hey, it's not an easy ride. If you're serious, if you're going to sacrifice and be dedicated to be, to, to I mean, to a life of obedience and praying and relying on God's sovereignty and literally walking worthy, are becoming as Paul said to be worthy of the calling that you have. You can expect some trouble. If you don't have any trouble, thank you. That's exactly right. That's where I wanted you. I wanted you to complete the sentence. That's exactly right. If you're not if you're not struggling, there's probably something that's too easy. You you're not dedicated enough. I I think of this as as, a, as an illustration. Um, you remember the Pony Express? Those are the ones that actually could deliver the mail faster than the postal service today. Those people. <laughs> They were very short-lived, but it was an amazing thing. Uh, they actually, the beginning point would have been at St. Joe, Missouri, and that would have been East point, And the West Point, the furthest west, was Sacramento, California. It was 2,000 miles. Okay? That seems overwhelming almost, doesn't it? Do you know what the, the, what the freight rate was? It was pretty high. But you talk about hands-on delivery, <laughs> right? It was actually, you ready? It was $2.50 per ounce. So you just didn't put in a normal postcard to see how your mom was doing, right? I mean, it was, it was serious stuff. And it, and it took 10 days. This is I mean, the Gettysburg Address that Lincoln gave. It took 10 days to get it from St. Joe to Sacramento. I'm going to say something. That's faster a lot of times than the postal service. It really is. Yes. It really is. We're actually still getting catalogs back from the last sale saying they're undeliverable. <laughs> <laughs> well, joy. Isn't that good, right? But... I'm going to think about it. Now, you want to talk about dedication, and you want to talk about sacrifice? Those riders, what they endured to do their job was serious business. I want you to liken that to the sense that, you know what, you're part of God's express. This is not an easy job to walk worthy, to be worthy of all that you really can be, and that he has positionally made you. This isn't easy stuff. This isn't child's play. It's just like these pony, these pony Express riders. They rode 100 miles a day and switched horses every 15 to 25 miles and ran wide open. I'm going to tell you what, day after day after day after day of that. And, of course, those guys would go to their destination, turn around and come right back. And go and come right back. It's amazing what they were. Here, now, here's, how, would you, how would you advertise for that job? How would you? Now, this is your job. You are going to advertise for applicants to apply for Pony Express riders. I'm gonna. This is this is how it went. This was an ad, actually. I think I've got it on my phone. It'll take me just a second. And sometimes just tell it the way it is. Uh, let's see.
1: Every single, I know
0: that. <laughs> well, if they weren't, they were going to become that way. Yeah. Um, okay. This was an ad that was in the uh, uh, San Francisco newspaper. And, and actually, the, do, do you know what? The, dur- the dur- duration of the Pony Express was not very long. But Yeah. yeah it was. Uh, in fact, I've got it written down here somewhere. Uh, it, was, it, it began April 3rd of 1860 and went to um, November 18th of 1861. The reason being is it wasn't they weren't good at it. The telegraph was there. And a telegraph will go quicker than ponies can. But here we go. This is in 18 this, in, the, in uh, San Francisco, this newspaper. This was an ad run by the Pony Express, and this is what it said Quote Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows. You don't want to kill a horse, you understand. Not over 18, got to have stamina, must be expert riders willing to risk daily. And the final note orphans preferred. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not good? Is that not, and here's the, here's the good part. Um, they always had a waiting list of riders. Right?
1: It's a good thing if you don't have any family. <laughs> yeah. oh my
0: God. Some people were drawn by the attractiveness of such sacrifice. You know, when we understand what Jesus Christ did for us, oh Lord, then we should be ready to pay the price. Christianity is not easy. It is not cheap. It is not free. Well, we need a
1: spiritual awakening right in this country.
0: Absolutely. We really do. Including Christians. That's exactly right. Starting within the church. Starting within the church. That's where it must come from, in fact. So far, it looks like from the outside, those that don't know Christ, they can't see any difference between the church and the rest of society. That's horrifying to me, isn't it? What do you think? it doesn't say god cries but jesus wept he must he must be weeping over what's happened to the life blood that he shed for the church he being that bridegroom that doesn't even see it important enough to rise up and be worthy and again i'm not i'm not pointing the finger i'm pointing the finger at me as well are we going to be like pony express riders are we going to get after it? Are we going to really see the dedication and sacrifice required? Are we going to obey? Are we going to pray? Are we going to get after this thing? If there was ever a time, where's that verse? Um, God was looking for, for uh, someone to stand in the gap. Where is that verse? Uh, oh, I can't remember it. Uh, that, is, that is so true right now where we're ending right now. having Just standing in the gap, taking, doing what you know is right, and God will use you mightily. He's looking for men and women to step it up. He's waiting. He's waiting. And he's the only one you can trust. Trust God. Work hard. Love more. Fear less. Isn't that a good place to start? That's where we're at. Okay, next week we're going to come back and we're going to look at not only praying for the right stuff. We'll even add on to it a little bit because I want to look a little more at fulfillment and serving with power. But also want to look at the reason for that to be Paul's prayer. Not only praying for the right stuff, but praying for the right reason. With that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Thank you for helping us to just see you a little more clearly today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the opportunity to literally go to it. And it's amazing how it does change us just a little bit at a time. Your purpose is to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Creator, our Lord, Father, I just think of the unbelievable sacrifice that our Savior gave for us. Knowing the end result, and I can't appreciate enough the fact of how important it was to Him to pray. If God the Son prayed to God the Father with intensity, tenacity, and unceasingly, should we not do the same? Father, remind us in whatever way necessary for us to stay in tune with you. That our will would be melted into yours as we pray more and more. Father, go with us this week. There are those that are in a battle, probably even in an intense war, because you've told us it would be. You've told us that we have the armor to put on, that we put it all on. Father, there are those that will need extra help this week. You know who they are. You know exactly what they need. Bear them up. Wrap your arms around them. Whisper in their ear. You love them. You care for them. You can be trusted. You are their hiding place. Take us through the storms. Raise us up. Pray for our nation. Pray, Father, that we would come to ourselves and say the truth. That God would be going and we would take responsibility for where we're at. We pray for a great spiritual awakening. We pray for repentance to come across this land, that men and women and children would see their need for a Savior, that Jesus Christ would rule and reign in their hearts. Our nation would return back to its roots. That is our prayer. Father, you're in control, sovereignly, and yet you desire to hear from us. You want to know us. We want to know you. Help us know where you want us to be. Guide us each step of the way. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.